My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that? Whiskey. This is Steve from the Lost in Translation podcast, and we're we're down one Sean, but I got uh, Sean McCalder and Travis Watt in the house. How's it going, boys? Going good. Going good. Travis, how are you? Just sitting there cozy. I know you are fighting fires all night last night, and you're probably trying to warm up because it was cold as hell. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not even a matter of how cold. It's just that you're sitting outside. And you got water on you and stuff. I'm just, I'm my, my, my core is way below normal right now. So <laughs> like, even in those, even in those giant parkas, like you guys look like you can't even move in those suits that you wear. Like how does the cold even get in those things? I don't know, man. I got like in the real cold winter nights, I wear full blown full suit long johns underneath that. And I, I'm still cold, but I just, I'm a wimp. I'm a total wimp. I should, <laughs> I should not be a firefighter. I should just, Drink should be living should be living in our climate. <laughs> yeah, I, I might go move to Colorado with Ryan, but I don't know if it's any warmer there. It's it's better because it like it's it goes when it gets cold, it gets warmer faster. They don't get like four weeks of minus twenty like we do, and they get the snow when you want it. They get it. I was golf. I think I golfed there in like February at one point. But since he <laughs> since the, the lead is no longer buried, uh, we got a guest with us today, uh, Ryan Nagley from uh, Boulder Spirits. How's it going, man? It's good, man. It's good. Thank you so much for for having me on board. Yeah, no, thank you for uh, thank you for joining us. Honestly, you've been uh, I've kind of had this like man crush over you for since since we since we partnered up. Honestly, I think you're a total awesome dude. When we did that tasting back in what was that back in june we had such a wild turnout and and you had to take the take the show by by the horns because unfortunately alistair's uh internet was <laughs> not the best yeah but you, you killed the, it yeah the leading tech cities in the u.s and the internet up there just fucking sucks <laughs> yeah um yeah that, that tasting was fantastic i mean i couldn't I didn't have enough. I needed like three more screens of computer to try to like keep track of everybody. But uh, oh, I know it was like a yeah. hundred. We were up to a hundred people on on a virtual, <laughs> which on virtuals does not happen very often. No. Usually in your room of like thirty to fifty, kind of thing at the most. Sometimes yeah. less than that. Yeah. So we were uh, we were pretty stoked on it. Like Boulder, Boulder was pretty much the like, that was the first product that we brought in. So it's it's uh it holds a very special place obviously in our hearts uh travis and mine and and uh it's the reception for this for your guys's product in this province and even in this country has been absolutely incredible so it it always helps having awesome personalities like yourself behind the brand to uh, help propel it forward um, well it helps having awesome gentlemen like yourself <clears throat> being a leading in you know and, and ladies out west you know being the being being our faces and voices representing our company so thanks so much for for believing in our stuff to 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 bring it up there no absolutely no we're 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 happy to do it and we're hoping that it just continues to get bigger but um <clears throat> we can get uh what were you boys drinking let's let's find out what you guys are drinking first before we start peppering well, ryan I, with some questions uh, i like sean I, I already see the these real familiar boxes in the background with the one two three seven <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got awesome. uh two and a half cases to myself so uh <laughs> that's where they are and one more open upstairs or actually part of one more open right oh, here 
part of it's because we told Sean that if he wasn't going to sell it all, then he had to buy it all. <laughs> I literally thought that was the case and I was prepared, not actually prepared, but I had was psychologically preparing myself to walk into the store that brought it in with like $20,000 of my own money uh, that I didn't really have. But I was like, I have to do this. I committed to doing it. So if I'm not going to sell it, I guess I'm doing it. And luckily it turned out great in it's selling, but we can talk more about that later. But that's what I'm drinking. I'm going to drink my own YEG Whiskey Nights uh, Boulder Peated Malt. Excellent. That's a good pop. Yeah, that's a good pop. I'm uh I poured a a splash here of the the Boulder single malt sherry cask finish which uh we somehow haggled 20 cases out of out of the distillery just for Alberta and um I think once we talk about this a little bit more people people are starting to get bottles of it now and they're they are loving this stuff. Josh know your whiskey says it's one of his favorite US whiskeys of the year so far. So that's oh, wow. what I'm sipping on. 46% and 8 months I think in a Oloroso cask, is that right? I want to I want to say it was more is it more of a 9 or 10, but um eight's a good safe minimum for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's more more Oloroso character more sherry character than the bourbon for me i i think this sherry is more prominent uh than in the, yeah, in the bourbon absolutely you know it's, it's the sherry is now uh, you know having a conversation with one grain as opposed to three grains so it's you know it's dispersing its its character you know I mean, they were from the exact same like these barrels came off the you know out of the same shipping container on the same pallet like they were from the same producer so same you know huge lot of sherry barrels that we only had six of or something like that so five were filled with bourbon one was single malt so this is technically a single barrel as well uh, this is also i mean that is that's my favorite whiskey that we've put out yet for sure see so we're not wrong over here like mm -hmm. I, i'm pouring it for people i'm like man this this stuff is fantastic it's, it's yeah, good like it's I've, i find <laughs> it interesting the because when you get when like when you think of single malts from from scotland you won't get the combination of the sherry cask and then the like virgin oak charred cask back to back so you get you get that real nice toastiness and the oloroso that they kind of melt together which i think does this thing wonders it's beautiful okay well i guess i'm gonna have to pour that as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can we can lead into yours don't worry ryan what are you drinking I'm actually, <clears throat> it's whatever hour of the day in the mountain standard time it is. And uh, we got, I got a little single barrel selection from a, a local store here uh, on the south part of, of the Denver metro area, but I called Davidson's, but they got a 62.2 um, single malt selection that, that, uh, oh, nice. Uh, thought I'd get my little, little uh, midday pick me up. Awesome. Well, we'll uh, we'll get in we'll get into the Boulder side of your escapades eventually. But I'd like to kind of start off further, like as far back as we can go, like kind of, kind of the very start of your spirits journey. And and I feel like we're honestly, I feel like we're kind of a little bit kindred spirits in the sense that I, I spent my early days in the punk scene and skateboarding, playing shows at skate parks, even and, and right. small, small grungy bars, which you, which you've worked in. And I'm sure you spent mm. a lot of time in. <laughs> yeah. And then kind of 
moved your way from from that scene to the to the whiskey scene and the spirit scene and you've you've kind of come a long way now you worked at uh at Tui's off uh off Colfax which is which is kind of funny. I've actually been to Tui's a couple times because every time I went to uh, Denver, my my mother-in-law <laughs> lived in the Denver area for five years. So every time I go, I go to, to Argonauts. Oh, nowhere. Yeah, and that's only, what, just a few blocks down the road yeah. from Tui's. Yeah. yeah, so I'd usually stop into to a, a bar here and there and just have a pint or whatever and just kind of, because the, the whole Colfax neighborhood is pretty cool. And uh, yeah. that would have been back in like 2000. Uh, it might have been like 2016 to 18, so I might even have caught the tail end because it was 2016 when you when you yeah, left I think, there. I think that... it was June of 16 was my last hurrah there. Was it okay? Um, yeah, all well, the uh, all the old yeah. school Argonaut staff used to send people down. Yeah, to this <clears throat> punk rock Colfax dive bar um, because we had we were the only ones really in the area that had any of the Van Winkle or antique collection. And this is, you know, six, mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine years ago, whatever. Um, but people were starting to get interested in, in that kind of whiskey and, and said, well, man, I really wish I could taste this stuff. You know, I've never, it's never really see it. Um, I'm like, oh, go, go check out this bar, like three blocks down. And so we would get at three and four and five in the afternoon, the widest array of people that were willing to spend $25 on a pour of whiskey. Cause that's all I was charging for it. Happy 23 year, 25 bucks. You know, like that's how much a, about that much god you know i didn't even measure it back then like it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that big of a deal um wow, today holy shit oh yeah it's i think it's 150 for 125 dollar pour at a couple of restaurants here in town but let, tell us tell us what your time at, at Tui's and and <clears throat> yeah, kind of so how that started everything for you i was you know as mentioned coming out of coming into the workforce um, at the, in the service industry, bar and restaurant. That's all I knew. <clears throat> Kid growing up in Indiana, I was bailing hay and, and you know, worked at a little pizza shop. And then in high school, I moved out here in high school. My folks moved out, out to Colorado in high school, when I was in high school. And I continued to work in, in little Italian restaurants and pizza shops. And then uh, I moved down to Denver um, <clears throat> when I was 20 because I got a job at a bar. Uh, it wasn't legal because I was under 21, but it was this rad place. It was kind of our, our, our cheers, you know, for all of us, 19 to 25 year old skateboarders and hairdressers. Like that's all it was. And, <laughs> and I got to work there, you know, it was one of those things like, Oh shit, you get to, you get to work at this cool place and kind of got to work my way up through the, through just kind of that, that bar scene a little bit and um, caught wind of a bar that was opening and a, a friend that I knew um, pretty well was a rep and she actually was the, the PBR, the Paps Blue Ribbon rep um, was opening, <clears throat> opening a bar and like, dude, that's up my alley at that time in my life. Like uh, how, how much more in sync could we get with that? And, uh, and <clears throat> she's opening this bar, she's looking for people and, and I start there and, uh, right before I had worked there, I'd worked at a little hotel bar across the street. So if you remember anything about Colfax, there was a Ramada right across the street uh, from Tui's, right right down the street from uh, uh, from Argonaut, which is essentially across the street from the Ogden Theater. And so uh, this bar inside the Ramada, was it was uh, affectionately known as the Rock Mata Lounge because all the bands always came there, but more importantly, all the bus drivers always stayed there. And so <clears throat> I got to meet every bus driver of every band that ever toured and went to the Ogden Theater. And, and so it kind of became this cool niche place to hang out. And there was a group of 
fellows and and dames rolling around central denver at the time uh uh as the modern drunkard magazine crew so if you get on your google machines and you look up modern drunkard magazine it's a still functioning publication uh based here in denver colorado um that uh exalt all of the wonderful natures of drinking and imbibing and all of that kind of stuff and celebrate legendary characters like uh, f scott fitzgerald and winston churchill and all, all these famous drinkers of its time and they they came to my bar and they came with these fucking wacky ideas of making cocktails um you know 13 years ago like a cocktail if it, it had peach schnapps in it like that co- that's what a cocktail was it had juice and peach schnapps and whatever the fuck else going in it <laughs> and they were they were bringing out the books from from prohibition stuff and i'm talking like not like the cool like oh it's having the old-fashioned the sazerac and you know that shit it's like no like it's got 12 ingredients none of this shit's even around but we're gonna fake it until we make it and you know putting eggs in a shaker you know like that's not shit i was you know many people were doing that that long ago so i i got to be these guys as kind of like a little cocktail monkey and flip open the book and yeah i'll I'll bring in that creme de mince next week and we'll make that cocktail for you guys you know like that kind of <laughs> shit and then <clears throat> go and work at twoies and and i already kind of had this mentality of oh i like making drinks but the, you know we weren't it's still beer and shot um but right about that time was when cocktails started happening and the cocktail scene the cocktail bartender scene was not the same scene of person that i was rolling around with you know i was still going to work on a skateboard um with ripped jeans and you know wearing a a, you know t-shirt and you know vests were not in my vernacular of of clothing options to to go make drinks in and but it's still fascinating um so I had this culmination of twoies was people that were still helping me experiment with cocktails. Um, <clears throat> by way of cocktails, I started getting interested in more and more spirits and not just uh, all spirits, but individual categories and trying to go as deep as I could just because that was kind of nerd I was kind of becoming. Um, and then, um, you know, it, it started happening where these staff trainings from these companies were happening and they're sending out this, this brand ambassador, you know, that was kind of a newish term too, for the time to go visit with all of us. And it was me and all these people that wear monkey suits at night, like in this room at on a Tuesday at one in the afternoon. And, you know, I was always one of the louder voices because I was a nerd and wanted to ask all the questions. And uh, from there, it was I started entering all the cocktail contests because I wasn't so scared of these folks anymore and um, started just really getting into spirits in general. And and right around that same time was when craft distilling was, you know, becoming a, a thing. And uh, the first craft distillery in the state of Colorado yeah, they hold they hold distilling license number one. That's a marketing thing, but the first one's still string hands. Um, the second craft distillery in the state of Colorado, who I worked for for years, was I was their very first account to carry, you know, their very first product on the Western Slope. Uh, I say that loosely. There might have been two or three others that we've all say that same thing, but you know, these guys came over from somewhere two hundred miles away, the other part of the state, uh, bringing this this craft, whatever the fuck that meant, you know, this this vodka around homemade vodka and we were like yeah that's fucking cool you know like that's rad what else is going on in that world and i mean from there it just became nerdier about cocktails nerdier about booze and then it was every bartender i think has that that point where what's your out 
you know, you, you, you want an out, your knees start hurting and, and you just get crankier, you know, and some people want to do it forever, but a lot of people just want to get out. I make the joke that if you're not going to go into real estate, you, you know, you better know enough about whiskey to just go work for a brand. And what I realized with that, that wasn't actually the easier jump. <clears throat> that wasn't really a jump at all. A lot of big brands were plucking star tenders from all these different cities and, and using them to, to push their products, but they weren't really giving them jobs. People that went to school from and had marketing degrees, those were the ones that were actually making the decisions of, of how it was being going. And I wasn't going back to college then, you know, I was sooner go back to college here in my forties than I was going, you know, in my late twenties, early thirties. Um, so it was, how do I, how do I make that happen? Um, and the craft world was, was there. And so I became the voice and the face for, you know, a couple of craft distilleries and, uh, got to, that's the thing about craft is that there's no one to tell you, no, you know, that you don't chase anything up a ladder. You ask the owner who's probably your direct boss and you say, Hey, can I do that? And they say, fuck, I don't know. But does anybody else done it? No. Cool. Do it. You know, and, and that's, and that's how, you know, it, it, we're able to work at, at a certain level. That sounds um, like, that sounds like how Steve and I run PWS imports. Yeah. Can we do that? <laughs> yeah. <I'm fine. laughs> it's great. But so all of that um, kind of led, led to the point where I was working for craft distilleries and then Alistair um, had some whiskey that was coming out. Um, some single malt whiskey and I was working for deer hammer, which is American single malt whiskey forward. Uh, and he said, Hey man, do you want to come talk about our whiskey? And I politely declined. And and then I, I cast me a couple more times and then I politely said, yes. <laughs> you were essentially at two You were kind of at ground zero of the cocktail revolution. And the you know, like, was that kind of when, and the two is still not, I mean, two I mean, not, not at two but around yeah. that same time, like death and cold, places like that. But was that kind of when cocktails? So, I think, I think even locally here, um, Sean, uh, he just celebrated 10 years at, um, at Williams and Graham. So for call for Denver, our big, uh, 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 you know, I mean, this is back when speak, I mean, it's, the speakeasy cocktail theme, you know, so it's like at the beginning of that, that, that cocktail theme kind of thing. Um, he just celebrated 10 years at that bar. So, um, yeah, I, I was, I was like for, for that sense, everyone was trying to go out to New York and try to like learn stuff from, from Dale DeGroff and, and those dudes. And then they kind of started bar five and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it is kind of neat that, yeah, I was, I was in the beginning of it. I just, I, I was on the other side of the train tracks, you know, um, the brands, brands weren't coming to my bar to, to pick bartenders for their cocktail contests. <laughs> the only reason I was getting picked was because a distributor said, Hey, there's five of you in five territories. Each of you has to have somebody from your territory. Like, fuck, I got this guy over here. He'll do it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> there were no other, like there's just in Capitol Hill, there's not cocktail bars. At least it wasn't. That was also like right when that was, that was back kind of when the, dive bar was still a dive bar now dive bars are like the popular mm. dale destination mm. as well right so yeah i mean dive bar started it's almost kind of ubiquitous where yeah the dive bar cool and cocktail kind of became a, a thing almost at the same time like yeah. this was the more ironic you know kind of fun cool thing and this is the more i want to go show my date like that i know what the fuck i'm talking about was alcohol <laughs> you know kind of a thing <clears throat> um but now that uh, uh, what I brought with Tui's and what I really wanted to 
push was that there's no such thing as either one. <clears throat> you should be able to go to any bar in the world and order a simple cocktail and be able to get it. And you should be able to go to any cocktail, fancy fucking whatever in the world and say, I would like a beer and a pour of whiskey. Can you accommodate yeah. with that? And they can't, you know what? There's not a restaurant anywhere. I can go to you know, New York and go to 11 Madison and say like, I, I, I like a beer and a pour of whiskey. And they'll say, okay, sir, we'll accommodate you. The hyper... Uh, sensitivity around what you are and like, whether it's a dive bar or a, or a, you know, a cocktail bar or whatever it's um, it, it got to a point where I had wanted nothing to do with cocktail bars, had wanted nothing to do with it. Um, and then I think that also, you know, those edges got softened a little bit and the cocktail bar does become a bit more of the neighborhood bar. I mean, today, like it's, it's all, I'd say it's almost one and the same, you know? Yeah. It is funny. The difference though, between a bartender when I first started going to bar back in the late nineties compared to a bartender now, right? Like my, one of my best friends bartended for eight years from the nineties into the early 2000s. He called himself a bartender, but the the most challenging cocktail he mixed was a Ryan Coke basically. Right. right? Like <laughs> nowadays you can't go into a bar with that experience and be like, I'm a bartender. Cause they'll, they'll shoot you out the door. Right. Like you got, you got to actually have some skills nowadays to be a bartender yeah a lot of times it's you got to come up in their own system too you know like it's just stepping into a bartender role is not really anything you do unless you've got uh some pedigree you know to yourself and to your name kind of a deal um it's a professional like it's an actual profession now versus just a like just a a whatever a pickup job after school or or whatever right yeah i mean it was it's it gives it gives the profession um uh, a sexier public face, you know, I'll still battle to the death that the dive bar bartender, um, dies happier and with more money than any cocktail bartender out there. You well, know? yeah, because you turn over more drinks and get more tips, right? Is that, that's what it's all about. Turning over Absolutely. the, tur- you turn yeah. over, you turn over eight beers for every one old fashioned Well, you're yeah. going to make more money off that. <laughs> yes. And the beers are almost the same price now. So you're, you're doing oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, and I remember going to like the Strat here in Edmonton, which has a, been a, a historical dive bar uh, in an old motel kind of thing. And yeah, you picked up, you picked up a beer for a dollar, but then you usually tipped them a dollar as oh. well. <laughs> right. So it's, yeah, it's the, the game is changed quite a bit to say yeah, the least. Thursday before payday might've been, I'll take two now. Here's your $1 tip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, when they created the toonie, you get, it kind of was, it was hard. Cause you didn't, you carried usually more toonies and loonies. So you had to tip them a dollar. Cause if you asked for a dollar back or a, a loonie back, you look like an ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when did, uh, I'd like to kind of get it. When, when did the, the Denver whiskey club kind of come in for oh, yeah. you? Like when, when did that well, materialize? Kinda, was that where you at two during? Yeah, I guess I'm time? starting to realize that I've always put too much shit on my plate at once. And I hear you. <laughs> and because at the same time that I was only probably two or three years into working at Tui's, um, uh, working for Peach street distillers at the time in a small capacity can basically, a <clears throat> event monkey and and on-premise kind of person did staff trainings and shit like that but that was also when the denver whiskey club was born as well so uh whatever i guess 11 years ago now um 
it was really, it was that same idea. I talked about staff trainings and, and people from brands coming in at two in the afternoon on a Tuesday to talk about their spirits. And I was, I felt like, Oh, I always felt like I, I was always out of place and I shouldn't, like, I, I didn't need to be there. Um, but I wanted to be able to, like, I didn't understand why that wasn't available to everybody. Right. Like why, why is this happening at two? I understand that it's for the trade, but they didn't go out at 7 PM and offer that for the public. And I was kind of flabbergasted by that. And so <clears throat> my boss at Peach Street at the time, he always wanted to go to all these things. Cause you'd see in your bartenders guild email, Hey, so-and-so's in town. We're going to have a 20 person staff training at so-and-so show up at this time. And he could never be there. And he's like, fuck, I, how do I make this accessible to me? And, and so we started this club and my connection was I was, I was the bar manager. So I, all these people were coming to me anyways. All I had to do was say, Hey, if I've got a group of 20 people, will you be around Tuesday night at six? And yeah, they all said yes. And it was just this idea of sharing that knowledge and, uh, at a greedier level, you know, drinking whiskey for free. Um, making my friends drink, pay for my whiskey, I should say. <laughs> um, you guys know the deal. So, you know it well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we, we kind of put this little club together. It was, how do we do that? And let's find some emails and let's talk to some folks and, and say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to meet at this place. Um, this guy from this local distillery is going to come and talk to us and we're going to listen and that's it, you know? And, and there was, eight of us, nine of us in the back of a fucking loud hip restaurant, um, music fucking blaring. And, uh, the original distiller for strain of hands was giving us the stick about the story of strain of hands and the same story I've heard fucking half a dozen times at this point, but watching people's faces that unless you went on a tour with this guy at that place, it just, that, that wasn't an option. And so it was, it was like, Oh, cool. We got to do this. And by the end of that meeting, Jake was like, sat down with us. and was like, cool guys, how do I get on board with this? Let's keep this going. You know, like I want to learn about other people's whiskey too. And I don't want to pay for it either, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> and so from there, we, I mean, we've held over those years, you know, whatever, a couple hundred meetings, but um, it's all brand-based. That's all it is. It's a few ideas. Like I did some, some cocktail stuff and a couple of just general history things but it's always brand based because that's who's got the money to pay for the room to give the whiskey away right brands have it so who's coming in town i i get the email as soon as i got the email for uh somebody from highland park coming in you know whatever to talk about highland park stuff cool i'm going to call the highland park manager in town and say like hey do they have room one of those nights they're in town i've got a room of 20 to 30 to 40 people that want to hear about it Yep. All right. I'll get you all those people. You bring the whiskey. We're not going to pay for it, but I'll get you all the people. And everyone fucking said, yes, I was blown away, <laughs> like totally blown away. <laughs> and it went on like that for years. And it's, you know, with the, with what's happened with whiskey in the last few years is <clears throat> changed how we do things. But, um, yeah, it's still, it's still brand driven, brand education driven. Well, you well, it makes, makes your job easy if they're coming into town doing essentially the hosting and the work you just got to put the bums in the seats kind of thing those are always my favorite tastings they traveling like you can you can have a brand do all the talking for you or a brand ambassador do all the talking for you and you don't have to do hardly any of the research like it's yeah 
Right. So. But and if you're a local marketing team and you got this Yahoo saying, Hey, I've got 50 consumers that want to engage with your team. Do you think they're into that? They're going to be like, fuck. Okay, you just do my jump for me. Cool. Done. They, you know? Yeah, they jump all over it for sure. And really, the only thing is, uh, what I bring is it. What I bring to it is people and glassware. I have our own glassware. They don't have to rent glassware. Yeah, I have yeah. several hundred pieces of glassware. <laughs> yeah, I think between Travis and I, we've got about <laughs> at least five hundred. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We always joke. We talk about how empires are built in basements, but I'm starting to think maybe empires are built by starting scotch and whiskey clubs because that seems, <laughs> seems to be, I bet if we pulled every brand ambassador from across the country, every, I, I wonder how many started Brian Simpson has the hip flask hiking club. Yeah. Um, all of us, obviously clubs. It's just, it's, I love talking to people with a similar mindset. It's just, the original idea was let's get people together drinking whiskey and it just kind of grew manifest. Right. Yeah. Manifest from there. It's just yeah, a matter of getting everyone together. Yeah, and that's, and you know, that, that's the whole bit is it's just because somebody else wasn't doing it. You know, yep. <clears throat> the stuff that we're doing at our level is, is not something that, you know, people don't have time for this shit. <laughs> a big brand world, right? Like Diageo doesn't give a shit about like what's going on at this. They're, they're keeping an eye on what you're doing. They're keeping an eye on what we're doing, but you know, they're not activating out there, you know, at, at the pure love level that we are, you know, for as long as, as we do it, uh, it's, it does, it's not a big enough return for them. You know, um, that's why that the stuff that we do and we get to talk about and the brands that you push it, there's, truly that that passion behind it it's fucking neat yeah <laughs> Even from an outside perspective from your <laughs> i know you just it's, yeah it's it, it's funny i just remember when i first decided to do it and i was like i got no idea what i'm doing and i swear i was sitting on my couch and then travis i'd never met travis before and he sees me on instagram and sends me a message he's like hey how's it going i see you started a club and i was like hell yes perfect resource what right. the hell am i doing <laughs> right and it was yeah and fr from then on it was it, the glassware came from travis to get me started and and then it flew from there but it's uh it's it's amazing the power of just a small whiskey club in the industry what what it can have <clears throat> yeah man there's <clears throat> you know a great example is <clears throat> for colorado we've got uh 10 of them now, I feel like, but, um, 10, uh, eight years ago, it was two, you know, I mean, yeah, a couple of restaurants that had their own private clubs, but, um, you know, it was Denver whiskey club and it was, uh, and it was, and it was uh 5280 whiskey society. And we were about education. Oh, yeah. I followed and, them. Yeah. And 5280 Nate and his team, you know, they're a little bit different angle. They like that barrel pick, you know, stuff. And yeah. they're all about that. They're based out of a store though, aren't they? You have to partner with a store. Doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. You've got it. Everything's got to go through a distribution yeah. channel. <clears throat> and so, uh, they, they are the, that great. Like you want to be in their club. If you want to possibly get a, you know, first pick at a fucking barrel of William Lou, LaRue Weller. Cause they might have that, you know, like kind of level, like that's where they're going and that's great. But, um, for, for, for DWC, it was, it's really about that education and, and, uh, getting relationships with everybody um and 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 kind of keeping it uh open to everybody as well yeah for sure um a funny piece of information that, that i don't know if most people know or anything though is that your your wife actually works in the industry as well she works for 
for laws whiskey house which we, we don't have laws up here but i visited the distillery the old distillery i think it's probably a new one by now but um a couple times and they, they make excellent whiskey i know travis has tried them before you know where the owners are from where are they from yeah edmonton are they actually they moved down to colorado years and years and years ago but uh from edmonton i think al lived out in new york for a while <clears throat> um and then they oh, okay. relocated to colorado but they're they're originally edmonton and uh, um, former yeah. edmontonian former edmontonian uh used to own the denver broncos as well yeah oh yeah yeah so there's a few connections there. there's there's a pretty big connection between alberta and colorado which is which is why the the boulder thing i think works so well right. in the market right. here but how, how does that dynamic work in the household i know there's like you're both got proprietary kind of information right. that you're you're sharing but not sharing and are you guys but are, are you work, working together like what what's her role there her let's see so she's been there since they've launched um so law started as gargoyle enterprises when they were distilling and then the second that they launched over to the public it's law's whiskey house um she was their very first tour guide uh she was their one of their first sales reps with uh, uh jake like we put a new title on his name now but <clears throat> jake from had left train hands and didn't did his own thing and then worked for laws for a little bit um and so she was kind of the first one of the first everything's over there uh after seven a little over seven years now she's essentially like a sales analyst so if you need data if their teams their sales team needs data she's got it at her fingertips oh, um, cool. she talks she does distributor management as well she she writes all the tasting notes um for everything that they put out um <clears throat> she's kind of in charge of not quite barrel management but uh forecasting and not in charge i won't say that she's definitely on the team that, that, does, that does the forecasting and all that kind of I mean, she's very pivotal so she's got the that. analytical brain Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but she's worn all of the hats there, you know, for cool. sure. She's kind of the small business takes a long time. The business has grown from, you know, eight people on payroll to fifty or whatever they've got over there now. So it's it's a big company. Um, they sound like a perfect fit for I'll, PWS I'll, imports. I'll have, to deal with, I'll have to deal with her same problems in about five years. Our time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was saying they sound like a perfect fit for us, but I think they're uh, they're they're involved with uh, one of the big uh international agency is it like breakthrough or uh in like us that? they're pretty much aligned breakthrough yeah with breakthrough yeah what that means internationally i have zero idea you just make sure next time you come visit us bring a couple bottles of that four grain bourbon because that stuff is absolutely oh delicious. what you really want is their six-year bond bottled and bond rye oh oh yeah that wasn't i don't i don't know i don't think that was there back when i was there but yeah i'd like to try any of those <laughs> they, they make they like they're yeah they, they make a lot of excellent whiskey like and they've, they've probably got a dozen different expressions from over the years but they, they do a really good job there who's all gonna be in uh victoria oh well uh we'll, well we can chat about that now i guess a bit just so far just me because steve has uh a, i have a little uh, one due in a few weeks so i leaving leaving my wife to uh yeah, yeah that's a good hold, idea hold the fort hold the fort down two, only two like two or three new. weeks yeah two or three weeks after the baby's delivered yeah, probably not a good idea i, I don't want to sleep on the couch for the next <laughs> month afterwards. for the rest of your life yeah <laughs> for the rest of my life yeah, exactly 
Uh, we could, I mean, we could chat about Victoria here. You're, you're coming and you're presenting at uh, the grand tasting, which is, um, I had the honor of presenting at a masterclass for 30 people, I think a few years ago. And, uh, it's, it's one of the most renowned whiskey festivals in the world, not it in is. terms of, not in terms of quantity of people and attendees, cause they keep it pretty, but in terms of the quality of the classes and the quality of the people there. And, um, to have you come up for that is, I mean, it's a, I've, I wasn't even really planning on going to the festival. And then when I heard you were going to be there in the class, I'm like, honey, I got to go to this one. <laughs> Luckily I don't have a baby on the way, but, um, yeah, tell us about it. Like, I mean, this is pretty exciting for the for boulder and for us yeah man it's just really exciting so i've i had never heard of this fest you know nothing international is ever on my on my radar so like it's completely new to me and um you know when it was when stacy had brought it up uh you know i kind of looked into it and uh looked at some of the past you, you know uh run of shows and all that kind of stuff and was quite very impressed <laughs> I was like, holy shit what am i gonna get myself into here like this is awesome um when it comes down to it man it's <clears throat> the history of it being started by a bunch of whiskey nerds i mean what happens when a whiskey club does put does someone put their puts their heads together you know like what a, like that'll be great like i put me in a room with a bunch of whiskey nerds that's that's you know that's game most game face time as well as like it's really fun yeah, I think it's the perfect, and and it's not just the thing about the Victoria Whiskey Festival that I think makes it. It's the the community there. Like I've I've brought probably a hundred little mini sample bottles there once before, and we did a big sample exchange where we had lists and it was like trades and stuff, but it's the, it's the conversations that happen outside of the classes. It's the, there's rooms in, in the evenings after the tastings are all done and people just show up in these rooms and plop bottles on the table of, you know, $400 whiskeys. And it's like, help yourself kind of thing. And it is the ultimate um, whiskey nerd get together. So I, I'm really looking forward to, to hang it out with you there and yeah i gotta i gotta look up what the international carry-on and checked baggage alcohol bringing in rules are <laughs> yeah we'll we'll put in a good word for you you can put whatever you can put whatever you want in your suitcase just as so long as you declare it that's really all it is so excellent yeah so you, yeah. you get a certain allowance but ryan i'm looking at your picture on the victoria whiskey uh, festival website Oh, looks yeah, great like yeah just you're just chilling in this armchair people are going to yeah. be into that people are going to be into oh, that session they'll be sure. into it for sure so that's actually an, an excerpt from a screenshot from our uh, adventure kit video yeah yeah, yeah 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 that was such a great little package and we haven't even really travis we haven't really talked much about boulder being launched in uh in bc yet we're kind of just waiting to get the word from from our business partner stacy over there to to know that it's going to be on shelf soon, but we're not far from like, it's going to be on shelves before Christmas, as far as we know. So it's uh that, that's pretty exciting. That's right. Second province now that, that Boulder is going to be in. That, that's I mean, that's a huge, huge step forward for the brand for sure. That's massive. I mean, it really is. I mean, to, <clears throat> I mean, your market alone, but I mean, to have two, <laughs> that, that's not something we ever like, we're like, all right, cool. This is going to be great. We'll go up to AB and like have our, have our great time. And like, man, uh it's <clears throat> it's fun me and al alistair we we get to talk now and some of the little things we used to kind of daydream about and run the numbers on what if this happens what if that happens like it's not all what ifs now it's like well shit some of that chunk is already taken over here some of that's already happened let's daydream about this stuff over here and like well fuck actually that that chunk already happened too like 
Fuck, we got to start making some more whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when you, yeah. when, when we, when we launched Boulder, it was, we had no ideas of how people would, would take on this product. And it's, it's a very different sort of concept with the bourbon. Um, and you're coming into a market where, shelves and stores are stocked. I mean, we got, we got, we're spoiled with bourbon selection here in Alberta, but somehow, uh, you know, Boulder has been able to sort of separate itself and just really succeeded here. Um, like, how do you, why do you think Boulder does so well in a competitive, like what, what separates Boulder from some of these other brands? Do you think? I think it's the same thing that separates us from any brand, even down here, you know, it's <clears throat> because of the uniqueness of, of the whiskey that we're putting out, uh, uh, you know, and there, and there's two sides to that. There's the bourbon and there's the single malt, uh, on the bourbon side, you know, nobody's got our mash bill. Um, nobody's got our mash bill and cooks it on a pot still. And nobody's got all that and ages it in Colorado for, you know, three or four or five years. Um, so putting those elements together of a very, very unique recipe, a very high malted barley, uh, bourbon recipe, um, no matter where you put us, we're going to stand out against every other bourbon. And we're not, we don't want to be, the anti-bourbon by any means we just want to uh take that conversation further um bourbon is is a beautiful wonderful spirit that um much like scotch single malt whiskey is stuck on tradition and only of recent years in each respective category have you seen a real push in in true innovation and 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 real new world approach to finding different flavors and or 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 embracing these older flavors that we were trying to hide by blending or or marrying colors or you know doing whatever not in straight bourbon but in the single malt world um so with with the bourbon you know it, one it's good you know it's, it's very soft it's approachable it's just got it's a great character whiskey but <clears throat> because it's not going to fit in this bubble of high corn column distilled aged in the Midwest, you know, flavor, it, it stands out. And then the single malt whiskey, it's an American whiskey, you know, we're uh, what I'm going to have fun when I go and visit your guys's market is, is talking about the history that goes behind, you know, why we have a virgin charred cask in the United States and what, what that means for American whiskey and, and how, why that makes it different for every other whiskey in the world. And especially for, for a market like Canada, that is so single malt heavy. I mean, it's massive by comparison to here, um, uh, against bourbon. Uh, it, it's, it's already going to be more widely accepted than it is, to the malt consumer here because the malt consumer here it's just scotch and that's it if it doesn't say that it doesn't it doesn't matter what it is and you know on the american side of it that's american whiskey eh, that just means american whiskey you know like there's no provenance to that, that single malt because there hasn't been american single malt it's not it's, you know the last 15 years excuse me the last 30 years has been it um Canada, you know, it's, it's a little bit more receptive. Something new comes out of the United States and it's got whiskey on it and it's not bourbon. Well, that's a little more peaking of the interest um, because it says single malt. That's, it's just a more, more familiar term. Yeah. Period. Right. Yeah. And that's um, what we hope to bring is, is that conversation to the table, not just us Boulder, but as American single malt producers that, um, virgin American Oak, you know, our, our mainstay of aging and then our style of aging, um, that's, what's providing these new flavors, um, to the single malt whiskey category, let alone where it's aged and all the other 10,000 things that go into it. But, yeah. um, 
<clears throat> really that that virgin fresh char. Well, I'm, that's why I'm excited actually for you to come up and actually speak to it because it is. I, I think Canadians are for the most part very intrigued by it because of the single malt component of it right. and just sort of what, we, what most of us naturally drink first. But there's not, there still isn't a lot of. I don't know. There isn't a lot of uh, marketing and discussion around what makes an American single malt still unique compared to compared to the, like a Scottish single malt or anything like that. So, and I can I think that's... I'll tell you why pretty easily. It's money. Um, <clears throat> there's the American Single Malt Whiskey Commission. Um, there's about 45 paying dues members of that. Um, of that, I would imagine our average state distribution ship is about six states each on average and that's with a few of us carrying a heavy load Mm -hmm. so internationally only westland is getting out there you know and that's remy quantro money um and that importer you know relationships that they have overseas you know that's what they're able to do and and kudos to them for help leading the the charge on that education about american single malt um but otherwise yeah we'd you'd see it everywhere um but uh it's not only are you are you trying to market yourself as a young brand as a small distillery you're also trying to market an entire category um on your on your backs so it's kind of it's both fun and daunting and annoying at times you know but well it's it's such a busy like landscape as it is right to like have to jam this new category of whiskey (laughs) in into it it's it's got to be daunting and it's great because next month we're going to find out you know we we get an announcement from the ttb saying American single malt whiskey will or will will not be, you know, uh, a, a major thing on the 2022 calendar for a new category. And when they make that announcement, that's, that's when we get to go full bore and and it'll be an absolutely collective of all of us that make single malt whiskey. That that's 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 what we needed. We needed to, to be able to go to the liquor store and say, here's the bourbon sign, and here's the rye sign, and here's the Canadian sign, and here's the Scotch sign, and here's the Irish sign, but here's the American single malt sign. Yeah, it's it's a slim section, you know, but it's there. But it's there and probably there for sure. I want to go back to the mash bill of the bourbon just because I think it's such it's such a unique thing. And it's it's just like it's it's unique to Boulder. Nobody else is going that high malt barley, 44 percent malt barley in a bourbon. Is it like up here? It's been received so well because it's such a familiar flavor being that it's malted barley. It um, it's really kind of bridged a gap between the the single malt drinkers and, and the bourbon drinkers. I've, I've always been curious, how, how does it do in the U.S. when <clears throat> bourbon drinkers in the U.S. are so like they're so accustomed to their sweet corn? Yes. Bourbon? Right. Like, and it's like when you, when you put it side by side with just a standard bourbon, it's very different. Like they're very, very different profiles. There's nothing delicate about the American palate. We like fucking big fat McDonald's. We want (laughs) saltiest fucking whatever you've got. We want our corn syrup, right? Yeah. The IPA has got to have the most hops and the tobacco sauce has to have the highest amount of no heat. You know, everything's got to be the biggest, the most put it all in there, you know? Yeah. Um, and we're coming at it from such a, a not that, you know, uh, it's a, a little more delicate by comparison, you know, um, if 
if a Midwest bourbon, you know, is a, is a big, strong man, maybe our bourbon's a bit of a dandy and, you know, has nice shoes, <laughs> you know, like it's, <laughs> it's got this, it's got this intention and this um, design about it that, <clears throat> you know, you, everyone is subject to mother nature. Like you don't, you don't have a choice. You're subject to it, but you can have as much intention going into it as, as you can. And so with that high malt content, the, the idea really was let's make a bourbon that, can kill some of the heat in the back of the throat and isn't so sweet on the front of the palate. The owner of this company is from Scotland. He doesn't understand sweet, sweet bourbon as like, he understands that he gets it, like, but he doesn't understand that for himself. Like that's not part of the flavor palette. So why create something that is about anything else? You know, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's still his whiskey. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's his personality that he's out there sharing. So let's, you know, let's, let's put some of that, some of that in there and, and the bourbon, as far as how is it, how is it accepted here locally or, you know, even regionally, we'll call it. Um, it's, it's a lot of, yes, I love this, but I'm not sure why, or, I, I swear to God, I get every one, once a festival, it doesn't matter what it fit, what festival is once a festival I get, is, is this peated? I get that this is peated. And <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the part. <laughs> that's how much, that's how less sweet our bourbon is, is that because it's not sweet, it must be a dirty, weird, earthy flavor. You know, like, <laughs> like it's, we just don't rely on the sweetness. We rely, we rely on the character of, of the grains in it. And that malted barley is absolutely the driving factor of that. Corn is great. Corn is a, a beautiful body. It has great oils, um, <clears throat> but it also creates great oils uh, through a column distillation and pot distillation. It's uh, still some, not, not as important as far as its oil content or what it creates. Um, it's also a blank canvas for oak to really do its thing. Right. Um, when you register a bourbon in the United States and you go to the TTB website and it, and it says, you know, how much corn do you put in it? And then the rest of it is what are the, what are the flavoring greens? Everything else is a flavoring green, even though malt, you have to have it in there for, well, in, in the truest of, of distilling terms, you have to have malted barley in there to convert your grains, the other sugars in your, in your other grains. So it's not just a flavoring component. It has something to do with everything else. Rye whiskey, of course, you know, it'll has its wonderful uh, spice notes, characters and all that. And wheat has its wonderful notes and oats and so on and so forth. But <clears throat> really those are all considered flavoring grains. And for us, it's um, we want to be a little more, give it a little more, uh, uh, prudence and, and, and let, let the smart consumer know that when they look at the label and this has a recipe on it that, Oh, okay. That's why it tastes like this, you know, but down here, um, yeah, we fight, we fight it. We fight a good fight. It's, um, it's, it is not the traditional bourbon lovers bourbon. And, uh, I'm honest about it. You know, I, that, that's, that's what I say. It's like, if you like that big high rye barrel strength knob Creek, this is not the bourbon for you. Um, but not everybody wants that bourbon. Some people just want to sit and enjoy a bourbon and not impress their friends with how high heat and how much rice spice, you know, comes out of it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Cause last, last Christmas, when you sent me samples for the very first time, um, I remember putting them on my, my mother-in-law's bar. Cause I was down in the U S for Christmas and, and my, <clears throat> my brother-in-law who's not not a whiskey drinker at all but he grabbed the sherry bourbon and he took he just took a little sip of it and he was just like what the like what is this he's like 
is this like is there bourbon and scotch in this like did you mix <laughs> something together and i was like no 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 first of all don't fucking touch that because it's mine <laughs> and second of all no i'll explain it later because we were drinking all night but it's just yeah it's it's funny and i just remember the first time i tried it i was just like i'm pretty sure i emailed you the next day being like when i get home we're meeting because this has to be done <laughs> this is like the perfect bourbon for canadians period <laughs> and that's it's absolutely a thought process behind it um, not Canadians, but um, yeah. <laughs> we've been thinking about you guys for a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, malt drinkers is um, it would be asinine for us to come out with an 80% corn recipe bourbon and then talk about our single malt whiskey and put you up in just two completely uh, 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 against each other, you know, uh, uh, contrasting spirits. Um, it really is a way for us to tie people into this American single malt thing. You know, if we can get people behind this bourbon, that has got a whole bunch of malted barley, then you're not so scared to try this other thing. that has got a hundred percent of that malted barley in it. Um, we are a, a gap bridger. I want to steal Scotch single malt drinkers, you know, yeah. the only way oh, yeah. I, I can do that. <clears throat> um, even if it, it's just getting them into the bourbon category is with this high malt content. I can tell Scotch uh, drink Scotch exclusive drinkers that no, I've got something for you. No, I don't drink bourbon. No, I do. I do have something for you. And they drink it. And regardless, even of the, the most stubborn of, of the, I only drink single malt scotch. Uh, I still get the, okay. All right. Yeah. I get that. Thanks. I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> There's a few guys here. I know that are, they're strictly only drink single malt scotch from Scotland and the only bourbon they have in their bar is Boulder. <laughs> no honestly okay. and then that then they talk about how it's like it's really the it's the only bourbon i'll buy because i'm not a bourbon fan but this boulder bourbon is something different something special i like it right so it's yeah it's it's pretty cool it goes the opposite though steve because my my wife is a strict she just drinks bourbon she doesn't drink any other kind of whiskey she loves her bourbon over ice cube whatever and i pulled her i poured her the boulder bourbon and she i poured it blind and she said is this scotch <laughs> so it must be the barley so we call it the scotch drinkers bourbon but yeah. it's it's yeah. uh for a pure and she could pick it out which is just it makes that that was that, i was proud of her for being able to pick it out totally, and totally. she doesn't have Even to love I, it but it's just so cool that she picked that out it's 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 so prominent that and that's that's kind of what i love is that at least you know if if you know that you're the bourbon drinker and you do get that oh wait, what what is this flavor i'm getting I know you're a bourbon drinker, you know, like I know that you weren't pulling my chain, you know, <laughs> you do like bourbon. Okay. All right. Well, let me talk, try this bottle to bond. <laughs> we should probably, before we lose uh, our, our producer and co-host Sean here, we should probably let him talk a little bit about his whiskey because <laughs> yeah, he's falling asleep there. It's so patient. No, no, no. Fading. It's all good. I just drank skirt. my whole glass of it. So I'm ready to go now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did want to talk to you about the, like the Boulder single cask selection program. Uh, and then in, in particular, I guess, uh, the, uh, the cask that, uh, that my club Yeg Whiskey Nights brought in. Um, but how, how active is the single cask program for you guys? You know, it's, it's pretty strong. Um, if you, uh, rewound five years ago, you know, that this was not a, a thing that was not every store was looking to buy a single barrel. It's, it's pretty, of course, every store is after 
you know, you start up here and you work your way down the brands and or who you want to work with and all that kind of stuff. But watching this many casks uh, go out, uh, it's pretty neat. Um, it's it's um, it's almost it's it's changed how we approach our sales tactics a little bit. Uh, we have to dedicate a lot more time to that. But the time, obviously, you know, you're selling, you know, 20, 30, 40 cases at a time. So it's totally worth it. It's just, you have to kind of uh, swing your, how you're going to talk about things. Cause right now it's, it used to be, Hey, here's my products. Here's a large, you know, case drop deal. And now it's, uh, here's my products. We also have single barrels and everyone goes, cool. I'll, I want a single barrel. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of mind blowing that I was struggling to get, the idea of selling a single barrel to a store five years ago was just nobody, nobody would even touch that idea. And it was craft world. So I get, I get that a little bit, but I, I, what, where, where we are now is pretty incredible. So um, to answer your actual question, um, it's going well, but we're actually, we're very well prepared for it. Um, we've got for craft distillery, uh, we laid down a lot of whiskey early. Like that was where all of our investment went in was to laying down whiskey. We'll we'll do the marketing part into it later. Let's put all this money. Let's get this whiskey down. So when we've got you know currently uh, probably 300 barrels at you know four years plus, you know it's easy for us to go in the inventory and not just have fuck. We can only sell three of these barrels. Like mm, we can sell half of these barrels in a in a single cask program. Um, it's we it's 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 weird that single cast from craft to single cast from big brand is is such a different beast um uh within the consistency of the product you know our storage facility goes 15 feet high you know like if you're a big house you've got buildings and buildings and you know floors and floors and talking about oh i got it here from this warehouse and over here and this and that and we're like it came from 12 feet that way you know i don't you know it's <laughs> there's, there's not going to be a ton of that kind of differential um you know unless we're talking about different month fill dates and all that kind of stuff but uh it's still fun that we that it really makes us have better barrel management and it pushes us into our barrels and kind of like dictate which ones are going to go in or stay in and go out and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the future of it is strong. And I've been, we actually, we released our very first five year single barrel to a, a, uh, wonderful whiskey, um, bar, uh, restaurant, uh, uh, here in Colorado. And so that begins the beginning of our, of our five year program, you know, and, and so that's cool. Um, and so now we'll have, you know, by probably spring, if not summer, we'll be able to ship five-year single malt samples up to you guys. You know, to get out there. So, uh, who knows how much that'll be? But um, you know, it'll 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 be able to be get out there. You know, that's that's incredible um, that we get to to get to have that. And what we're working on now is what I'm working on now, what Alistair tries to keep me from spending all his money on is finishing barrels. Um, because I want to get as many finishing barrels as we can get going. Um, because I'd love to be able to offer, you know, a cider finish whiskey to only California or to offer, you know, an Alberta only, uh, you know, Oloroso sherry cask or something, you know, of those natures that really port. Yeah. Yes, exactly. exactly. Um, <laughs> but to be able to, to offer that much individuality, um, uh, uh, in a sales, um, uh, a direction is that's kind of where my, my dream is. Um, 
but we still need, you know, the red label single malt and the blue label bourbon to sell a lot of cases to, to kind of keep that going. Yeah. So something like when, from my experience in picking this cask, like I worked with uh, the gentleman here from PWS to get the samples of the peated barrels. And I was blown away by the difference between each barrel. And so the thing that, struck me the most and so i had two samples from two barrels filled on the same day and i picked one of those barrels and they were markedly different and well aisle three and aisle four you know <laughs> yeah like right they're like three three feet of airflow difference yeah so you never you know, know. Right. the heater's <laughs> above one of them or something but, so that's, but that's- uh, to touch on that just directly you know that that's american whiskey right there that's that that's fresh oak yeah. that's taking an organic vessel shoving a bunch of fire in it and caramelizing it and not putting anything in it but spirit um, and letting it age and there's no amount of consistency when you're blowing 600 btu of flame through a barrel that they're all going to burn exactly the same let alone who knows which part of the tree those staves might have come from and so all of that wonderful mishmash is um, really what you know that is the fun part for sure and so every barrel i mean i say that we have a problem because our, our flavors don't vary too differently but i'm the guy tasting it every single day so i'm uh i love to hear that like there's that much flavor uh difference in those samples that we sent you and 100 percent, yeah and it was that organic vessel yeah it was that was kind of part of my decision making process i think is because i had these two samples these two barrels filled the same day and the one that i chose uh, it just had all the elements that I wanted it to have. And so I've ha- I've been asked a couple of times, well, like, why did you pick this? Like what's in this? And to me, anyways, it's the journey of this whiskey. It flows across my palate where, um, you know, it comes in and then this peppery spice kind of rolls across my palate and then finishes with some of this earthy peatiness, but there's also some fruitiness in there. And so that journey is why I chose it, but it's hard to, it's hard to have other people find that. I think if you haven't had the, the other cask that's right next door, that was filled the same day that was a little flat, was flat. Not that it wasn't good. But it sure. didn't have that journey, so it's the different—it's the different wood or the different burn or the char or whatever. But that's why I chose this very yeah. Every barrel. every one of those barrels has a personality, yeah. um, and every one of those barrels <clears throat> has good days and bad days, you know. And and when you, I, I love revisiting barrels that I know have been rejected like six times over. You know, like there's this one barrel, eight seventeen. I remember that. I, I used to take it around as like my my bad barrel like all right if they pick this like they're they don't like no way they're they don't know what they're doing <clears throat> but <laughs> about a year later it sold and i was like no way who got this barrel and i tasted it and i was like that's what it needed was another you know 10 months of of age and even if it is same fill day same same next to each other yeah th- the one that you picked was ready you know and the yeah. other one is well, had some puberty to go through kind of a deal yeah, you know? yeah. it just wasn't quite done yet yeah, for sure. That's great. Awesome. All right. I love I love that you say that about especially the peated malt because I very much describe this as uh, more than really any of our other whiskeys as a sense of place and and how for me it's it's definitely that hike in the woods and it's going through the different flora and fauna and crunching on leaves all the way up to the high alpine you know no trees around fresh air kind of kind of idea so I love that. 
Journey. It's definitely been the most, like out of the single malts, it's been the most popular here for sure. The peated, everyone's, everyone's favorite of the range was, was the peated at first. And they're still talking about it. And like, even we had uh training and sea out in, uh, yeah. in the Vancouver area. Right. Like he, he would like, by the time he gets to the end of the video, he's like, this is like whiskey of the year candidate for me. Like this is like, he was just loving it. Right? I, tried, <laughs> I tried to get them to pick up a bottle of mine, but, uh, couldn't fit it in their budget, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe they, they never trust. Now. Never trust the club. They're always looking for free shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anytime I'm talking about the the peated malt, I, I tell the story to people who are Scotch drinkers. I say this is a Scottish man using Scottish stills and Scottish yeah. barley to make American single malt. It, it is. It is the closest thing you are going to get to scotch that isn't scotch. And it's that story. I, I use that all the time because I think it's just such a fantastic story. <clears throat> oh yeah. My general I've, I've, I've gone through several like opening lines and pitches and across the six foot table, you know, like how do I start this thing? And <clears throat> uh, it, it's, it's been, it's proven uh, uh, annoyingly successful to just say, well, my boss came here from Scotland to make single malt whiskey. Oh, well, I'll listen to you now, guy. You know, I'm like, all right. And then I'll go talk about bourbon for, you know, 20 minutes or whatever. But um, it's people, yeah, people have this uh, obsession with with that Scottish, that Scottish thing. They, they've mastered single malt whiskey. I can't say anything, anything but that. Um, but scotland is never grown in population they just keep making people and they all keep moving somewhere else you know like that's got to say something <laughs> like you know, the people that leave scotland are, are, are the ones that are going to want to go create new things and that's what alistair is he didn't want to just work in scotland and make whiskey and have be like well why why, why did you guys do it this way because that's just how we do it that's not that's, what he wanted to do so we can that's, yeah, that's the ongoing joke with the the scots and the irish right is that more more scots and more irish live outside of the country <laughs> right. than they do inside the countries right so we want to pull you want to pull the bung we're going to pull the bung so ryan we need is, a, we need a, a sound effect for a bung pulling i want to ask you a bunch of questions i want to have them answered immediately are you threatening me dick that's not a threat what? that's a fact i'll fucking kill you what do you want to know? What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Got it? I'm ready. I'm ready. Ready? Okay. Favorite bourbon other than Boulder? Four rows of small batch. Favorite American single malt other than Boulder? Ooh, um, um, the quintessential from uh, Cedar Ridge. Nice. Ooh. Uh, favorite Boulder release? Oh, that sherry single malt y'all got. Favorite Scotch distillery? Um, I really like since uh, what it, I could probably since um, Brown Foreman's owned it, but um, uh, Glen Gassy. Glen Gassa. Oh, nice. I, 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 something, just something that they create there is just, I don't know, I love it. Yeah. Uh, favorite Irish whiskey? <laughs> Pass. <laughs> oh, good thing. 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 Good 
Oh my god. I'm so sorry. We'll go cookies and cream. We'll go cookies. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know why that was so stressful. That's okay. Uh, if you make a cocktail for us right now, what are you gonna make? Mm, I'll probably make you a mezcal cocktail. Oh. I'll probably make something, something fun. It's like whatever. Because if I'm looking around the house, like right now, I've got, I've got some fruit and I've got some, yeah, I got some stuff. I'd make a nice little peppery mezcal afternoon sipper. Cool. That sounds great. Uh, favorite place you've traveled to. Oh my. Um, <clears throat> Vraron, France, the home of chartreuse. Right on. And a place you'd like to travel to, but haven't been yet. Oh, everywhere. Um, you know, I really, I, I really want to go to Tokyo. Tokyo's awesome. Super fun. <laughs> um, all right. Last one. Favorite new whiskey. As in like, just like anything. a newer brand or like anything. It, as long as it's new, new. <laughs> new. <laughs> uh, geez, I'm trying to think the last time I had something fucking new. Um, I just drink so much of my own stuff. You know, it's like embarrassingly, I drink too much of just my own stuff. Um, <laughs> what did I have? I just had something the other day that I, Oh fuck. Um, there's a little distillery here in, D- in Denver, uh, called the block distilling. Um, and they just released their four year, um, bourbon and they released it uh i don't know how big he is up there but uh nathaniel rateliff and the night sweats um yeah, yeah, yeah. partnership so it's all going to be a a non-profit kind of well it's not all non-profit a lot of it goes to a non-profit um but the the, the team there they uh they they invited me over to, to taste some of it before it was out and it was real fucking nice i know you posted it and i was like whoa what is this and you're <laughs> yeah. like Something that probably won't ever hit Canada. <laughs> I was like, oh, every, every barrel for, for the next four back. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just shut that conversation down now. It's yeah, shut her down. I mean, <laughs> I, I was more concerned. I was more curious of like, how do I get a bottle shipped to one of my right. they actually one, they, of my, one of my family members in the states at least, so I can get one. But. They actually sold out of that too, by the way. I imagine they did. Yeah, they only released a thousand bottles. I think it's only going to be a thousand bottle release each time. That's very cool. Oh, I'm gonna have my eyes out next. I'm already on their mailing list, so <laughs> yeah. There's, 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 that's the things. There's so much new stuff, and I've had a lot of you know in the in in the back room with the you know doing sales or whatever. Like oh, whatever rep has got something new, and I'll taste that. But <clears throat> I, I wish uh, I wish I had a chance to to recall more. You know, to I, I taste it in such a flash. I feel like this would, I take advantage of it. We, uh, we need to get like a little timer for the bung round. And, and if, if Ryan were to do it again, we would have had to buzz him for taking too long, too long to think on that one question. Fucking ice cream. I could like add in like, yeah, the, uh, I, I know ice, I feel ice cream tells a lot about a person sometimes, honestly, it's, I'm a, I'm a banana shake guy. So I gotta really know how to, I like it. <laughs> or like what's your favorite what's your favorite blizzard too is it is a good one that gets people going but I could add in some suspenseful music like some who wants to be a millionaire kind of like uh, background yeah, you got to call a friend yeah to figure out, <laughs> oh, your, yeah, fav- right? figure out your favorite yeah. ice cream what, what's oh, my favorite uh, ice cream oh my god <laughs> yeah right what's my favorite ice cream um yeah, we, wife looking down towards some future stuff coming out of boulder ride obviously we put in a request after the canadian launch tasting uh because some people started mixing the peated malt with the peated uh with the single malt pork cask 
Correct. and telling us how amazing it was. And it was amazing. Um, but other than hopefully our Peter podcast, is there any, any new releases that you're looking forward to? Um, we just filled up some cognac barrels. Um, so pretty hyped to see that'll be a little bit longer um, of a finish time because it was alcohol, not wine that went in before. So we got to, we got to account on a little longer finish time, um, which is great. Cause it'll be, you know, four and a half, five year old whiskey by the time it's done. So that's cool. Um, specifically a, a new batch of, of Tawny port came in and PX Sherry. Uh, I'm still pushing for more Oloroso. Um, really if when given the option, I'm shot, I'm shopping for everything I want on my immediate radar is cider. I want to get a cider barrel and I, like, uh, I want a real nice, like a European oak barrel that had some cider aged in it. And then, and then, uh, uh put some whiskey in that Sauterne is on our, is on our hunt list right now. Looking for Sauterne barrels. Um, yeah, all, all that finishing stuff. And of course, as the age goes up, we are going to, um, release a cash strength version. So that'll be down the pipeline. Um, but it'll be a very limited release. We try to keep that for stores, to be honest, like, um, we'll probably have it almost in an allocated kind of a, of a release for, for cash strength stuff, but, um, let stores kind of be the driver of, of any cash strength options for, for consumer. What kind of, do you want to put single malt or bourbon in the cider cast? I've never heard of a cider finished anything. We, we always put one of each. We, we'll always do both. Okay. Um, There's because... been some cider bourbons, I think, done recently. Like, at, um, did Bardstown? Bardstown seems to be doing every kind of cast possible. Yeah, Bardstown's got quite the yeah. program. program. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. There's a couple of barrel brokers in, in Kentucky that, you know, it's a small, it's a small world. Um, <clears throat> but you've got these barrel brokers that are both in charge of shipping all the U S barrels out to, out to the UK, but obviously putting those containers back with European barrels. So a lot of, a lot of innovation coming out of Kentucky of all places, um, which is of course, you know, just <laughs> so tried and true for tradition. Um, so that's really, I think it's really cool to see uh, that there's that middle tier of American whiskey, right? There's got the big houses, but then the middle tier is really, really embracing this kind of, uh, push for, for finishing and new flavors. And they've got, not only do they have, uh, the money to, to do it, that they've got the, the bulk whiskey that at our level, like we really do have to think about like how much of this whiskey are we going to finish? And are we going to end up having too much in finish while we're, you know, trying to sell just a standard sing- singular barrel product? So that's still a balancing act for us. Aside from the whiskey, I would like to ask is the, the Jinski, hmm. which the, which the name, which you guys coined, like, has anybody else called it an actual Jinski barrel aged gin? Or are you guys the only, uh, I believe somebody else did before my time with Boulder of the vapor distillery and they had to send a polite letter, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we own awesome. that word. Like that's, that's it, our, so like, does it amaze you how well that it's crazy? Just the, the awards, that thing is scooping up and just <clears> like, <throat> it, it's such a good spirit. Barrel aged gin is not a new idea. It was just no. re rehashed from the whole craft world and, and, and in the craft world, and especially in the gin world, that means the UK. And so 
most barrel aged gins or barrel touched gins are used oak, whether it's used wine or, or used bourbon or whatever, it's all used oak. And so <clears throat> to put gin and that, that was really Ted, the distiller at the time is kind of big middle finger to the whiskey world. Cause we weren't making whiskey at the time. And it was like, everyone's making whiskey and this guy's making gin. It's like, fuck you. I'm going to age my gin and I'm going to age it in the same barrels that you guys are using. Uh, and when you think about it, it's hundred percent non-GMO corn spirit. So if you put 100% non-GMO corn spirit into a barrel, you've got corn whiskey. And then if you take that and you add some botanics, now you've got this botanicized corn whiskey. So really that's what it is at this point is it's it's a developed corn whiskey spirit that's got a whole lot of botanic structure to it. Mm-hmm. But it's a gin, you know, like it's, it's <laughs> in cocktails, don't ever make a gin and tonic with it. Make an old fashioned before you do that. Um, but my God, the way it drinks on its own, it's just something pretty fun. It's a bit of a mind fuck honestly yeah. like for, for for lack of better words like it's yeah it, i always love it it's like the it's the one spirit i grab from my bar just to get a reaction out of people yeah right you put it down you pour it for them they taste it you always get a unique reaction from everybody that tries it which i, I find that really cool you just almost like you're trying to guess where it's from you know it's like turkish like yeah. what the fuck well, yeah. <laughs> oh for sure it's i, it's I did uh for my in-laws at a dinner recently, I made uh, Negronis and I did Negronis with a standard London dry gin, uh, a good quality gin. And then I did Negronis with the Jinski and across the, every single person preferred the Jinski Negroni. And I sort of say, it's almost like a hybrid between a Negroni and a Boulevardier. Right. Right. Because it's, yeah. it's an age, it's almost like you're using bourbon, but it's not. And it's, to me, it's just a fantastic cocktail, the, uh, the Jinsky Negroni. And if you've got, you know, a Boulevardier and you're adding bitters, but a different kind of bitters, not aromatic bitters, but a little brighter bitters, which was, it's all gin is, is <laughs> you're making bitters, but instead of a dropper form of it, you're drinking it. That's you know filtered and all that stuff. So we need to come up uh, with a fancy a fancy name for that cocktail and and trademark it maybe. Oh man, we've had it. <clears throat> we've trust me, we've had every um, uh, Negroni week. You know, we come up with the, the thousand variations, and every time the, somebody tries to come up with a clever name of Boulevardier and Negroni and Jinsky, and it just those are just all ugly sounds that don't like <laughs> all together. Like there's not going to be a benefer that's going to come out of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I feel like that's sit around the table, get hammered, and see what kind of stupid stuff stuff you can yeah, come up with, yeah. right? But the, yeah, there's nothing. There's no good mash up there that's for sure <laughs> but it's a great spirit absolutely well ryan we appreciate your time but we don't want to drag this on too long for the listeners but uh we honestly we we, we appreciate more than your time we appreciate everything and the, the partnership that we have and the, the the cast picks that have been done and honestly it goes on and on i can't thank you enough no, thank seriously, thank you guys. Um, uh, it's just a teeter totter, one hundred percent equal amount of, of gratitude and and hype for the future, you know, of, of this relationship and what's what's in future for PWS and Boulder. So, kudos, kudos to all, y- all y'all and Yeg, Dwight EG, excuse me. Yes, thanks, man. The the <laughs> bo- the bottle is awesome, and everyone seems to love it. So, oh, everybody's yeah, everybody's yeah. loving it. Well, so far, the both both cast picks that have come into yeah. this market have been adored so we, we just can't wait to keep bringing in the next one and the next one so it's awesome man. it's awesome yeah it's been great uh yeah 
take care of yourself. Obviously, uh, we'll, we're going to be waiting to chat pretty much every second day as it is over email and stuff like that anyways. So it's not a long goodbye, but it is a goodbye. So have, have yourself an excellent day, man. All right. Cheers. Up. Okay. Cheers. Cheers.